if you want to build a two-sided business, the way to do it is you have to have a cheat code on one side of the market, either the demand side or the supply side. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right, today on the podcast, I have someone I've been I've been following for a while now, and I don't think we've ever met, so it, it is official today. Um, but we have John Doherty on, who's the founder of Credo, but he's also doing some other really cool things with Editor Ninja and his own podcast. Uh, so happy to get into it. But John, welcome to the podcast. Jim, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I always love being on podcasts like this, talking about entrepreneurship and new businesses and old businesses and the ups and downs and all of that. So I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And it's worth calling out the podcast you're doing. Um, is it called Working Sessions? Yeah, workingsessions.fm. Um, I co-host it with my friend James, who works full-time for an agency, actually an agency that is on Credo, um, but he is also running his own uh, side hustle called Castaway, trycastaway.com, where basically they they do podcast episode like repurposing and transcription and promotion and design assets for podcast episodes and all that. And then, of course, I'm talking about Editor Ninja on that podcast and Basically, the shtick is what happens when two marketing guys try to build six-figure side hustles in under a year. So it's all the trials and tribulations of that. It's pretty fun. It's really cool. I'm such a big fan of building in public. I love seeing other people do it. And I think I learn myself by doing it. So it's it's a really good one. So at, at, at a high level, can you just kind of give an overview and color around, you know, what is Credo and even Editor Ninja for people that don't know? Yeah. So Credo is a two-sided business where we connect brands and companies that are looking to grow with digital agencies. So primarily digital marketing, um, some development and design as well. So uh, basically we take a high touch approach to connecting the two sides of the, um, of the market. Um, so that business has been around since 2013. So it's going to be 10 years old in February, which is insane. It was a side project. And then I went, I started working on it when I got laid off from my last full-time job, uh, late 2015. And so that business is we're mid to high six figures a year, have a team, you know, on that. And we've generated over a quarter of a billion dollars in leads for digital agencies in the last five years. And I've worked with over 350 agencies in that time. And then editor Ninja is, uh, is my, New thing, I say it's new because it's act, the website's actually been live for about two and a half years, but I built out the subscription product and the subscription uh, model and product back at the beginning of 2022, really December 2021 into 2022, worked on it over Christmas break and launched it early January with a couple of customers. And basically it is product, it's a productized service for copy editing and proofreading services. So basically serving in-house content teams and content agencies um, that you know are having trouble staffing up with editing, or the founder is still doing a lot of editing, or supposed to be doing a lot of editing, but not actually doing any editing, and so content's going back to clients that isn't good, that kind of thing. Um, so I've got a, a team of uh, professional editors, all MFA level, professionally trained. They've actually taught writing and editing at the university level, every single one of them. Um, so they're like best of the best. You know, you couldn't find these people to hire them if you tried. So we basically get you access to them 
so yeah, that one's that one's going. So the product's been in the market for about six months now. And man, I forgot how hard and fun it is to launch something from the start. Um, so it's uh man, it's been a ride. Today's one of those updates, but the last six, eight weeks has just been like, you know, taking a jab, jab, right hook, but not in the way Gary V means it, just in the like, I'm getting hit with the jab, jab and the right hook. So um it's been it's been rough, but uh, but also a ton of fun. So yeah, stoked to dig into it. Yeah, man. Um, it's so interesting, like what you've created, because both are these two sided businesses, which I don't have as that much experience in that at all. Honestly, it sounds really hard to start. But once you crack the code on it, it's probably one of the most beautiful business models to have. So I'm excited to get into that. And also the fact that you've like, you've built a very successful sustainable business. And then I assume it's taking the profits of that to fund this productized service, which we're, we're even doing ourselves with one day design. So I'm excited to compare notes there because I, the thing I love about Editor Ninja, you're hitting on something, not to say that proofreading and editing isn't sexy, but it's something that like can get neglected, but everyone needs to have. And you're kind of going down that path, which is super exciting. Yeah, we, we should dig into that because it's, I talk about it with people and it's funny because everyone, like I talk, I say editing, copy editing and pretty much everyone that I tell that to, like if I'm talking to them on a podcast or something like that, the next time they describe it without saying the brand, they go to copywriting. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're focused on the editing side. We're not creating new content. So it's actually a really interesting challenge. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating and frustrating and all of that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun and it's a need, as you said. So I believe like rising tides lift all ships. We've got some good, well, like well-known competitors, some new competitors, et cetera. So it's not a, it's not a, you know, completely like open, you know, open market, but there's also no one dominating the market. So it's a, it's an interesting time to get into it. Yeah. Potentially owning a category too, if you can, to be the thought leader on it. But, um, so well, let's even take a step back. I love kind of a linear fashion. You mentioned you had this thing, Credo as a side hustle, you get laid off and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna go all in on it. Like, can you kind of paint the picture? Like, how did this path to entrepreneurship get started? Because I'm always interested in these inflection points of going from like the nine to five to, hey, let me think differently and do my own thing. Totally. So I've, I was not one of these people that was like buying candy for 25 cents and selling to my friends for 50 cents um, when I was younger, uh, simply because I was homeschooled <laughs> until high school. So I like didn't have the opportunity for it, right? I grew up around, I grew up in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. I live in Denver, Colorado now, but grew up in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Like the, it's the poultry capital of the US, uh, Rockingham County is where I grew up. Um, so I grew up around a lot of farms, a lot of farm kids and just like good salt of the earth, blue collar, hardworking people. You know, and, and I, I actually started working really young. I actually worked at a, uh, a horse farm. I rode horses. I actually showed horses until I was 14 years old. You know, I was this like middle-class kid that uh, was friends with all these doctors and doctor kids that owned horses and didn't like, didn't ride them. And so like, I worked at this horse farm basically to get in exchange for riding lessons and then got to ride all these super expensive horses because their owners weren't like riding them. Um, so I basically, you know, learned about like, so I, so it was a job, but I also learned about kind of, you know, figuring out how to get what I wanted in life by doing things like this. So I still have that mindset for better or worse, uh, from time to time. But, um, basically I, uh, I worked at my, so my, my real story, my real professional story is, um, so I worked for a, an agent, a software development agency in, in New York, in uh, not New York city in Washington, DC for a year, first job out of college. 
Then I actually helped run a book publishing company from Switzerland. So I lived in a, in a commune in Switzerland, tiny, like literally 150 person dairy village on the side of the Swiss Alps for two years. Met the founder of this publishing company who had been high up in Hewlett Packard. And he was building this, uh, this publishing company. And so I moved back to Switzerland to work with him, but I lived at the commune. Basically, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> like no clue, but I had a web development background. I'd been a blogger since about 2001. So this is like 2009. So I knew how to write content on the internet. I knew how to build an audience. And so basically I found SEO and digital marketing. So a year after I worked with him for about a year, moved back to the States to Philadelphia, worked for an agency there for about eight months, something like that, um, doing link building, but really digging into SEO, starting to blog about SEO, that kind of thing. Went to work for an agency in New York called Distilled. So I was their first hire there, working on doing SEO and kind of content marketing and that kind of consulting uh, for big brands. My biggest client was uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group. Um, so the, the parent company of Holiday Inn and Crown Plaza and all of these. Um, and so then from there, I got tired of agency life um, and moved to, got a job with Zillow in San Francisco. Um, they wanted me to build their marketing team and marketing function on hotpads.com, which is a nationwide rentals marketplace, giant site, like 17 million URLs in Google's index. So I, I started working with these like big websites and really like enjoyed it because with my developer background, like I can, I can grok that, right? And thinking about things at scale. Um, and so went in house with them for about two years, um, built the marketing team of hotpads from me to eight people in about 12 months, eight months, something like that. Um, grew traffic substantially and then moved over to Trulia, to Trulia Rentals. Um, and worked there for about five months. Um, and so, and and then got laid off. But I had Credo, which was called Hire Gun at the time as a side project. Um, and it was doing a couple, it was basically generating a couple leads a month. I was matching them up. The month I got laid off from Zillow, uh, it did $80, $80 in revenue. And I got laid off. But people were asking me, hey, what's going on with Hire Gun? What are you doing with that? Are you going to do anything with that? I was like, man, I have like a very busy full-time job. Uh, I'm fairly newly married. I have a dog, like we had a, we have a dog. He's still alive, but he was like young at the time and was just like needed a ton of attention and all that. And I just had no brain space to give to hire gun now credo, um, and got laid off and was interviewing around and interviewed at a bunch of like well-known, um, you know, companies, um, companies, some of them that, uh, people listening to this maybe use every day or at least every week if you're in the tech world. Um, and basically it was like, I just don't want a job. Like, I don't want to boss again. I kind of had like a little bit of, um, uh, honestly, I, I think it was basically PTSD from getting laid off and being like, wow, I like someone was literally able to say, you no longer have an income or a job. And I was like, I do not want to be in that position again. Um, and so I talked to my wife and she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I think I'm going to pick up some consulting and, and work on Hire Gun. Um, and so basically within three weeks, I had signed my first, SE, uh, I had signed a five-figure uh, SEO audit the largest used cars company in India um, and went on to, uh, I did, did a bunch of consulting over the next few years while I got, um, I rebranded Hire Gun to Credo. Um, basically, we went from nothing to 5K a month in revenue uh, in about three months. And then that kind of slid on down, shipped out the first subscription uh, product and uh, went from 2,500 in April of 2016 to about 19,000 in December of that year in revenue, just me working on it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that, that's kind of how I got into being an entrepreneur. It's, it's kind of my, the, the long story, which I usually don't give, but, um, that's kind of the full context of how I got into doing this. And, you know, I basically said, I'll give it a go. I, I kind of have this thing of like, I'll give anything a go. Um, I'll try almost anything. And I'll, I'll also commit to something for a year and say, if I don't want to do it after a year, I can always leave. Like when I moved to New York city, 
I was like, I didn't want to move to New York actually, because I didn't really like the city. I didn't spend much time there. But I was like, I don't want to move to New York, but I do want to work for Distilled. So I was like, I'll give it a year. And the year like anniversary came and went and like, didn't even think about leaving only left because of the opportunity in San Francisco. So same thing with, with working on my own. I was like, if I can make enough money to cover my half of our living expenses in San Francisco, I will do this for a year and see if I'm happy and see if I enjoy it. Otherwise, if if I'm not, I can always go back and get a job. If I am, then I'll keep on going. And in two months time, it's going to be seven years. That's crazy. I, I love hearing the thought process on making that leap because you had this forcing function of, of being laid off. Like, had that not happened, it's like, would that have ever taken place, right? And then what's also interesting is you're doing like the math in your head and you're also giving yourself, you know, a, a timeline. But then like being able to get approval from your wife is huge. Like when, like, and for, actually take a step back on creator, like, so just so people know, how do you make money with Credo? Is it, I'm an agency, I need more leads, I can pay you a subscription rate and you'll be able to connect me with potential partners. And then do you also make money on the back end as far as partners coming to you be like, hey, we need to find a good agency. Will you like place that? How, how does that work? Uh, you you pretty much nailed it. Um, so we, we have a few different like kind of revenue models in the um, in the business, I very much believe in uh, what I call a product and an offer ladder. So we have like down sells, up sells, cross sells, like all of that kind of built into the system. Um, and uh, but yeah, the the core of our business is uh, it's basically a sales pipeline as a service. So we generate leads for agencies that are subscribing. We generate the leads, we actually qualify them, and then we match them up um, and and schedule that uh, prospect with the agencies. We schedule each prospect with two to three agencies um, to begin with. Um, and we built our own software that kind of tracks all of that, handles all the billing, all of that. Um, and then for those agencies, we do get a cut on the back end. Uh, it's basically a finder's fee. We're not, we don't do like an ongoing recurring. We used to, but it was a total pain to kind of track. And, and honestly, it took a lot of our, like uh, took a lot of our control over our revenue out of our hands. And I'm not a, not a fan of that. You should always control your revenue, get as close to the money as you can. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we've arrived on. We do have our kind of broader network, which has about 150 agencies in it that are either paying per lead for agent for leads that we're, we're generating and then also vetting out and uh, basically qualifying before we release them um, kind of to the, you know, to the network. Um, so there's kind of pay per lead or um, there's, we also have a subscription on that level as well um, for people to basically access all the leads that are coming through. They're not all going to be qualified for them, but you know, if they're getting 15 qualified leads uh, a month for, you know, 250 bucks, it's, it's pretty good per lead, uh, you know, amount. So um, we probably undersell, we are probably under monetized there, but um, yeah, that, that's basically how we, how we make money on, uh, on the credo side. That's amazing. And because of your background in SEO, that's how you're getting most of the inbound. Is, is that correct? And you could probably amplify it with paid, yeah. but it's SEO's yeah. the backbone. That's exactly right. I mean, we, um, I, I think about lead generation as kind of a ladder. You start off with referrals. So when I was first kind of launching the business, people were just like friends of agencies that were getting leads they couldn't take, would just send them to me, right? Literally introduce them to me via email. And I would hop on the phone with these people and literally just send manual emails, connecting them with agencies that I knew that were good. Um, and then we went to to owned, so um, SEO content, et cetera, which we still do quite a bit of that. Um, then we've layered on paid, uh, Facebook, a uh, little bit of Facebook, mostly retargeting, but Google ads um, works well for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're generating, you know, a few million dollars in digital marketing leads every month uh, still. So it's uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good business. 
No, it's, it's really good. And the other thing, like setting the infrastructure sounds like a lot, but once it gets running, like how many people do you have to have run that? I asked because I'm kind of obsessed with these solo entrepreneurs that have these like seven figure businesses and they have like two contractors helping them for like $20 an hour, five hours a week. I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, like the, the efficiency at which you could run this could be pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we've got, there are three of us full time. And then we've got about five contractors we work with, something like that. So yeah, it's a, I mean, the business can be quite profitable. Um, We've kind of been through different uh, business models and such over time that required more, fewer people. Some were more operationally heavy, some were less operationally heavy. And I'm just, I don't like operationally heavy businesses. So we've actually built the business and built the business model. So it's not super operationally heavy, but it still grows and is, you know, and is profitable and doesn't require a ton of people. Um, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to having a big team. I'm not one of these that I'm like, I only want to grow to like $10,000 a month and I only have like, and it'd be just me, right? Or I never want to get bigger than six people. Like if the business needs to get bigger than six people because it's growing and because it's an awesome business to run and it's profitable, why wouldn't you grow? Right. It's basically my take. Um, but you know, at this point it's kind of, this is what, this is what Credo needs. And we kind of plug and play, you know, specialists, experts, on the content side or the design side and that kind of stuff um, to, um, you know, to kind of fill in the gaps as we have on a per project need. But like, I don't employ a designer full time. I don't even have a developer full time. I don't need it anymore. So just because we built out the product and, you know, anything we're, we're doing there is, is just, we can handle it with contractors. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Um, the the more you can have people that are hired guns that can be contractors to help on an hourly basis, as opposed to having employees, makes you so much more agile. And you're you're pouring a little salt in the wound as an agency owner, not wanting to have people intense businesses or operations intense businesses, because like as we grow, we definitely have some wheels coming off the wagon, right? With with different things and. That's where we're looking to like tools and frameworks to help it. But um, no, man, it, it's it's very impressive. I So here's what I'm interested to learn about is like this two-sided market. And for people to understand, I, I think they do, but it's like you're working with the agencies and then the brand. So like you have to bring both of them. Why am I dumb for not going down this path? Like what are things people wouldn't understand about it that makes it really great or maybe really difficult? Um, cause a lot of people don't have experience in this business. Yeah, no, I, I love the question. So when I went out on my own, I remember or when I was thinking about going out on my own, I remember talking to a few of my mentors. Um, and I think it was, uh, I, I forget exactly who it was, but someone gave me the advice. They gave me two pieces of advice, Jim. They said, if you become an entrepreneur, don't do two things. Number one, don't start a marketplace. <laughs> don't start a two-sided business. And number two, don't start a business by yourself. I'm kind of stubborn, so I did both. Um, but and and now I've done it twice, right? Because I'm I'm solo founding editor as well. Um, but the the thing about a marketplace is, I mean, yeah, you're you basically have two customers, and you're really only monetizing one well. So the other like customer um, that you're not monetizing is basically your inventory. They're basically what you're selling. Um, so you know their contact information or the connection or wh- whatever that is, right? Um, so we're not a mark, we're not a true marketplace in that we're not, we don't process payments. Like we, we d- used to see, we, for about 18 months, we did sit in the middle of like of transactions. So basically a, a client that hired an agency would fund their project in Credo agency would do work. And then we'd pay out to the agency and take a percentage super operationally heavy. Um, 
we we backed away from that business pretty quick, even though honestly, it would have scaled a lot better than my current business. Um, but it was just like, it was just really, really hard to run. It's not the business that I wanted to run. Cause like, you know, we, we kind of had to like arbitrate and I found myself because I, I am well connected in the digital marketing space. I know a lot of agency owners and I found myself being disappointed in my friends who like messed up a project or their team messed up a project. And I was like, ugh, thought this agency was going to nail this one. And they like put a bad account manager on them and they totally screwed the pooch. And, and then it was costing me money because when they turned a client, we didn't make that percentage. Right. So I was just like, it was just a mess of terrible, but the thing about a two-sided business, if you want to build a two-sided business, the way to do it is you have to have a cheat code on one side of the market, either the demand side or the supply side. Honestly, and if I could pick one, I would have a cheat code on the demand side, have a have an end to the people that are looking for this service rather than the, the supply side, aka the people providing the service. So with Credo, it's agencies, with Editor Ninja, it's editors. I actually have had a cheat code on uh, the the supply side for both, because um, with Credo, a lot of friends that that ran agency that run agencies, used, I used to work at agencies, etc. At Editor Ninja, uh, actually, my executive assistant at Credo is a, a dual MFA, so Masters of Fine Arts, um, and uh, she's a professional editor. So she is a network of seven thousand editors, professional editors that I can tap into. So I don't have trouble scaling supply at all. Um, demand is always the one that I'm that I'm focused on and of course I'm an acquisition marketer by trade so like I can do the SEO I can do the referral schemes I can uh you know I can do the the paid ads all of that I can hire people that can do the things that I don't do um but uh you have to have a cheat code on at least one side cuz if you're starting both from scratch it's going to be really 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 hard um so actually the best book I've I've listened to on this um I would say read but it was I listened to it on Audible um, is Andrew Chin's uh, The Cold Start Problem. Um, I actually listened to that about six months ago. And it actually like changed my mindset around like how I've been building Credo and also how I'm building Editor Ninja. So I actually took some of the some of the things that he said in there, just about like getting initial, you know, network off uh, off the ground and kind of how do you know when a network's mature and and that sort of thing. If you're interested in building a two-sided business, A, I mean, I would I would actually still say don't do a marketplace, like with actually processing the transactions and all that. It's just so complicated and operationally heavy. Um, but you have to have a cheat code on one side or the other um, and read Andrew Chin's book. That's really good advice. Like, do you have an unfair advantage on one of those? Because I, I see it sometimes like with job boards where people that have huge following can do that well because they already have the audience on one side. Um, that's really good advice. I think you just uh, nailed the pool clip that we'll have. That That's, that's very good. Um, <laughs> so... So you're like, it's going very well with Credo and you could just be head down, have your horse blinders on, just focus on that. But you have this idea for Editor Ninja. Can you talk about like, what was the origin story of that from, you know, know, like, I'm sure you're like me, you have a million half-baked ideas. Some are horrible. Some might be interesting, but where you're like, okay, I'll go from idea to let me invest my time and money and energy into this. Yeah, no, I, I I like this question because uh, entrepreneurs listening, we're all like we're we're builders, and I've realized that like I am very good, I am very good at the early stages. I really like the zero to five kind of stage of a business. Um, I would say Credo is at about a about a five, probably a five to ten, um, and then you know, and then scaling it from there is just like not something I've done, and honestly, I don't think it's something I enjoy. Um, I really like the the early stage, um, and so basically with Editor Ninja, the idea was. 
I mean, I've been a writer for, I've been a blogger for 20 plus years. I think 21 years, Jim, something like that. Like my first blog was on Zanga back in the day. Um, nice. So, or maybe even <laughs> earlier than that. And I forget, I forget what it was, but I think it was Zanga actually. But basically, long story short, I got tired of publishing content um, at Credo and all my personal blog and such that had typos in it. And I'd like spend a bunch of time writing, you know, writing a blog post and wouldn't go back and edit it because I hate editing, <laughs> which is hilarious because I've run an editing company um, and uh, was based and got tired of, you know, tweeting it out. And then people would be like, great post. By the way, there's a, there's an unfinished sentence in the second paragraph. And I'm like, son of a, are you kidding me? Um, and so I'd go fix it. But like, you know, I kind of, kind of, you know, missed my shot. Um, so I, I basically like needed to find an editor. So started, uh, started working with some and, then uh, basically the COVID pandemic hit and I was like, well, a lot of people are getting laid off. I can probably help editors who are now freelancing get work, right? And then people are laying off their marketing teams, maybe laying off their editors. And so like, I can help them still get editing done. So I, uh, I, I set the site live in like March or April, 2020, but you know, it was the start of the pandemic. And basically I needed to focus all of my time on Credo just to like stabilize that business. We changed the business model. Um, just a bunch of stuff went on. Um, and obviously we're, we're still here and we grew a ton that year on, in Credo. Um, but then, you know, man, I just, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, sometimes we get these ideas that just hang on, you know, and they're just hanging there in your head. You bought the domain. Maybe you have a website live and you're like, I can't stop thinking about it. Right. I just, I can't, like I, I tried to, and I just keep coming back to it. I'm like, Oh, I want to work on this. Like that's how Credo was when I was in house. And people were asking me about it. And people were asking me about Editor Ninja as well when I wasn't working on it much. When I was, but when I was in house, people were asking about, hey, what's going on with Hired Gun? And I'm like, I don't have time to work on it. Same thing with Editor Ninja. What's going on with Editor Ninja? I don't have time to work on it. And it's just like, it just hung around. And at some point, it just becomes so painful that like you have to work on it. Um, and so uh, I, know, I know Russ Perry from Design Pickle. Um, and I've always been fascinated by his, uh, their business model over there. And so basically the idea is the design pickle of copy editing and proofreading. So the, the idea of unlimited, right? So unlimited, they have unlimited design for us. It's, you know, unlimited uh, copy editing and proofreading, though we, we have had to build it in so that uh, uh, we can scale with volume, right? So agencies that are producing like 100,000 words a month, our pricing does scale with them. Um, but on our base subscription, it is, you know, unlimited. And basically we work through about 1,000 to 2,000 words a day for a, uh, for a customer, um, you know, that's on our subscription plan there. So basically long story short, I got to November last year, Q4 of last year, uh, 2021 and was working hard on Credo still, still work hard on Credo. It's still 60, 70% of my time. And, uh, though I do only work four day, four day weeks. Um, but, um, just to, to get the balance in my life, but, um, basically I was like, all right, it's time to, it's time to build this thing out. And so, mid-December 2021. So I started, I talked to Russ and I started doing a bunch of research and then December, 2021, I was like, all right, let's do this. And so to formalize it. So with Credo, I like, I didn't even form the LLC until about four months in, um, simply because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep working for myself. Right. And so like, once it started really working, I was like, okay, I am happy doing this. Um, then I formed the LLC, um, for, uh, for Credo, but with editor ninja, I was like, all right, if I'm going to make a run at this thing, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to commit. So I formed Editor Ninja LLC in Colorado um, and then built out, basically I used the skills I gained the early days of Credo building the first MVP. I basically built that same product for Editor Ninja. <laughs> and it's like, it's basically workflow, workflow software. Um, and so I built that out. Honestly, it took me about 
three weeks, something like that. I had two customers that were committed and ready to go. I was like talking with them and they were asking me about it and, you know, when, and, uh, and, you know, was getting some inbound via the website already and, um, and basically got them to commit. And so January 7th, I set it live and two people subscribed and went from nothing to eight, you know, $800 a month in, in revenue first day one and was like week one, I guess it was, I think it was within a couple of days and was like, okay. Um, and so it's just kept pulling me since then. So, um, yeah, that's basically the story, the story of, of editor ninja, you know, to that point. Dude, I love it. I, I agree. Like some of these ideas just sit in your head where you think about it so much. Like if I would have taken that time I've been thinking about it and put into action, it's like this thing would be live and that's the, the ultimate signal. Right. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. Selfishly, I have a lot of questions because I'm 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 obsessed with productized service as we're launching our own and we're learning a lot of things the hard way or the lucky way as we go through it. So I'm I'm interested to hear like what has been the biggest issues or things you've had to overcome. Like for me with one day design, we've really struggled or not necessarily we've just gone back and forth on like what are the right packages what are the pricing from two perspectives? Like, what do people care about? Like, what do they want? But then two, like, what can we deliver on um, where it makes the right sense for us? Because what we care about is repeat purchase and retention. So we were doing like unlimited design and we'll do emails, ads and landing pages. And now we're like, okay, let's just start with landing pages. And do we do it on a per landing page or unlimited? So I'd be interested to hear from you. Like, did you nail that from the start? And it's only my problem or like, what have you been wrestling with on pricing and packaging and just other things that have been issues? I wish I could pull up the revision history of, I mean, I probably could of my pricing page because I mean, every week I'm adjusting something like it's just, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's constant, man, especially at this stage. Like, just like I'm, I'm in there with you. The one thing I will say is like one thing I've done well with editor ninja that I learned from Credo. So when I launched uh, Credo or really started working on it, it was like, find any kind of marketing professional on Credo, right? Um, and so people would be like, well, what about this? I'm like, ah, oh, but we don't have the have that. What about this? Ah, oh, but we don't have that. Um, and so then I, I was like, I don't know, it's probably eight, 12 months in that I was like, as I said, I'm stubborn. So I was like, man, this just, this just isn't working as well as I want it to. And like, it's people are kind of unfocused and all that. And I was like, what are the, the things that our agencies really do well and that I know really well? And I focused it down to basically SEO, content marketing, PPC, Facebook ads. And things just took off. <laughs> so I took that as a lesson with Editor Ninja that, and then I've, I've also worked with a coach over the last, I mean, a couple of coaches for the last few years. And my one coach, Chris uh, Lima, um, who's, uh, he's, he's done a ton in the WordPress space. He was VP of product at a big hosting company in the WordPress space. He's taught me a lot about like pricing and upsells and downsells and kind of offer ladders and that kind of thing. So if you look at my, my pricing page right now, we basically split it out between agencies and brands because they need different things. But the first two, um, the like one, one-time document and the subscription are the same thing. It's just the third one. For, so for agencies, it's like custom pricing if you need a volume of content. So you're producing 150,000 words a month for, uh, for clients. Like, let's talk about what that pricing looks like. And then for uh, for brands, what they need, what they ask us for is a dedicated editor. Can I just hire an editor through you that'll work within my systems, et cetera, et cetera. So I rolled that out. Um, so I'm constantly moving and, and tweaking and trying to figure that out. But what I did well was I focused down on just subscription, copy editing, and proofreading. 
now we do some like line editing. I'm building that in. I'm going to be building that in as an as an add-on as well. So like need copy editing and proofreading, great. But you actually want us to go through with a fine-tooth comb and like tighten up all the copy, et cetera. You know, basically here's the add-on, right? Here's the, here's what that pricing is to do that. Um, so I'm I'm kind of playing around with a bunch of different things in that way. But by just niching down, um, you know, it's not like editing of any sort. We're not we're not doing we're not editing images. We're not editing video. All of that. It's copy editing and proofreading. Um, so we've, we've very much like focused down. So I think for you, um, yeah, focusing on like, maybe just do like high tempo landing pages for, uh, yeah, high tempo landing pages for, uh, e-commerce companies that are running Facebook ads, right? Like getting niche like that. So like, we are really effing good at building landing pages for direct to consumer companies, for example, for, for Facebook ads. Um, and then you can kind of scale out from there. And also what you, what you'll find, what I have found is, you know, we started with just copy editing and proofreading, productized, you know, subscription monthly, um, which we've also, we've since raised that price and also raised the like kind of volume that that basically gets uh, gets them. Um, and actually sales are a lot easier with a higher price, which is interesting. Um, but what you'll find is people, so, so pro tip for all of you, charge more, provide more and charge more. Um, it's easier to close the sale. Otherwise you can get a bunch of like tire kickers that aren't serious and are going to churn, you know, before they get built the second time. Um, but people are still going to ask you for things that you don't say that you offer. So if you say that you do like, you know, you turn around a design in unbounce, what, you know, in keeping with their style guide in 20, in 24 hours, right. For them to run Facebook ads too, you're still going to get people asking you to, you know, build a, build a product page and to build for them to test and all of that. Like, People are afraid they're going to close down the market too much by focusing on one thing. What I find is people read into your copy what they want to read. And if they they're if they don't like directly see it, but they see something that's close to it, they're still going to ask you about it. And then you can make the decision about whether you tackle that or not. That is such good advice because niche niching down is like the easy advice. Like I'll even like give that, but it, for me, it's the hardest advice to take for the exact reason you said, cause it's like, Oh no, I'm going to say no to all these people that probably want to give me money for the service. But it's fine. Another agency owner said the same thing. It's like when we niche down is the best thing we did. And guess what? We still got business from these other industries. Cause I like the way you said that they're going to read into your page, what, what they want to see, right. To, to get the value out of it. What's cool with your pricing page is you have the toggle for agencies and brands so they can kind of self-select into what's the the right package for them. I'm interested, at, you know, you, you've been doing a lot of tests on like pricing or personas. Where are you at right now? And like, what's on your mind going forward with this? Because you have this also unfair advantage. You've already built this kind of two-sided business, right? So what are the things you're looking at ahead? Are you like, I want to build this so it can run itself or like, I want to build this to get to X amount of dollars. And I'm down to like, you know, do whatever it takes, wear every like hat, like what's your mindset? So my mindset with editor Ninja is, I mean, right now, so I, I think editor Ninja can be big. I think it can be really big. I think it can be like a few million dollars a year easily. Um, right now I'm focused on step one, which is, well, I guess step, step one is make first dollar. And that's been happening for years. Um, (laughs) that happened years ago, but, um, step two for me is getting it to six figures in ARR. So basically, you know, 8,300 bucks a month in recurring revenue. 
Um, so we, uh, we, we were close to it in like April, May, and then we lost a big, a big, uh, customer content agency that churned a bunch of clients when, um, kind of the economy took it, took a dump. And so we're, we're kind of rebuilding up, um, right now, but I've had two and, and probably going to have three or four customers join this month, um, which is, which is big. A few of them that have kind of been on the bubble for a while. So, um, basically I'm focused on getting it to that first. Once I do that. And then, um, then basically it's okay. Now, how do we take it to half a million dollars, right? How do we do what we've been doing, but do more of it and do it better? Um, you know, and I, I think someday, you know, someday I will, uh, I'll either hire an operator to run credo or I'll sell credo. Um, I have no, like, I have no plans, um, you know, like no, nothing in the hopper to do that right now, but like my plan as an entrepreneur is always to, you know, I build businesses to sell. Um, but with editor ninja, basically like I've been slowly as we've kind of built, um, and my, uh, my, as I said earlier, my executive assistant at Credo is also working with me at editor ninja. So she's doing a lot of like the reviewing of content and returning it to, uh, to customers. And so then the next step is basically going to be, okay, how do we scale assigning content to editors? Um, and then ultimately how do we, um, uh, you know, just kind of operationalize, um, everything. So. Basically, the plan is like get the business to about basically once we get it to about two hundred fifty thousand in in uh, in annual revenue, so about twenty k a month, then I'll invest in like building out the platform, you know, like fully custom, um, you know, working with a developer, et cetera, to to build it out. Um, won't be that big of a lift, um, just because it's it's pretty simple. Um, like the software sits there to enable editing to get done. Um, it's not a not a true SaaS, um, and then we'll grow it. We'll grow it from there. So I do see us kind of branching and and kind of officially talking about line editing and you know doing more with like uh, brands hiring editors through us and that sort of thing. Um, but you know at this point I'm laser focused on like how do we get how do we acquire people to the site? We convert them into demos. How do I get them to close? Right, and I'm figuring out the sales process and it's a longer sales process than I thought it was. So revenue has built slower than I thought it would simply because people just have more to get in place before they can really leverage our services. Um, which is not something that I expected, but has been good to learn. Um, and then we're just we're just going to grow it from there, you know. Um, focus on getting good editors in, focus on retaining customers and keeping them happy, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it's going, honestly. Um, and as to time right now, I basically do Monday, Tuesday, and most of Wednesday on Credo, and then Thursday and like Friday morning if I'm uh, if I'm working um, some that Friday, um, then I'll I'll work mostly on Editor Ninja um, unless there's something really pressing at Credo. Um, that I'll work on that. Um, and I basically work four to 5 PM every, uh, Monday through Thursday on editor ninja as well, just like operations stuff or marketing or whatever it is. So, um, I'm kind of like 70, 30 right now, I think between credo and, and editor ninja as editor ninja grows it, that, you know, that, um, that slider is kind of slid. Um, and I, I put more time into it, but, um, you know, basically I put time into it as it justifies me putting more time into it. And as it tells me like, hey, there is signal here, there is momentum here. And it, as James and I talked about, and I think session one of working sessions, it's as it pulls me. If I'm having to push a boulder really hard to get it going, I lose interest. Like I have a, I have a side project, like outdoor, I'm, a, I'm big into the outdoors, mountain biking, skiing, et cetera. I have an outdoor gear review and like affiliate, like automated affiliate uh, website that I put no time into because it is so like input heavy, like writing reviews and all of that stuff. I don't put any time into it. It makes me a couple grand a year. It buys me new skis and such every year, which is awesome. Um, but like, I don't put a ton of time into it. So it doesn't scale. 
for and it and it's never like really pulled me in that direction, right? Versus like Credo and then now Editor Ninja are both like, hey, there is something here, and there are people asking me about it, and there are people asking me for things that we don't offer yet, and all of that. And so I'm like, okay, if you're pulling me and I'm really in and I'm interested in working on it, I'll put time into it. Yeah. No, no, very cool. And you want to go where the momentum is too, as opposed to trying to force it because it's all about the ROI on your time with what you're doing. And you you kind of hit on the, the question that I was curious to hear because you've said some things that, that are interesting because looking on the outside, it's like you're running two businesses. You're the solo founder. That's a lot to manage. But meanwhile, you're working four days a week and you're able to clock out at a reasonable time, right? You're not working four days a week and working till 1 a.m., like people listening to this, what can they take away from that? Because here's here's the thing that I see that I can't do that you do is you're you're able to create businesses that aren't as operationally as intense as others, right? So you're choosing the right categories. But what else do you do to like, because you talk about like days are dedicated to this. Are you able to stay that disciplined or like any other things people could learn on how you 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 run two companies in four days? Yeah, um, I am able to stay that disciplined. Um, and don't get me wrong, I do, you know, work some evenings and such, but it's because it's fun. Um, you know, I'm also a dad. I have a, I have a three year old, um, and so you know, I'm I love spending time with her. I, you know, my wife and I split pick up and drop off from, um, you know, uh, date her child care center and all of that, which is luckily only like five minutes away driving um, here in Denver. But um, and then basically from like five, from the time she gets home, five, five fifteen, five thirty, until she goes to bed at like seven thirty, like that's family time. I'm not working. Um, and then, you know, usually my wife and I like, I mean, if if I if I don't do work, then we're gonna sit on the couch and watch, you know, Better Call Saul or Stranger Things or something like that. So like, which I love doing and I, I love to do a couple of nights a week. But like, you know, if it's seven thirty and my wife has bedtime, I'm hopping back on the computer, I'm doing another hour of work, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, my, my wife is, uh, she's, she's very successful and, you know, has some entrepreneurial tendencies and all of that. Um, and so she doesn't like bug me about it at all. She's like, cool, do your thing. You know, she's doing her thing. She's reading a book. She's watching her own, like, you know, girly shows. I don't want to watch. Right. She's happy for me to, you know, for, for me to do some more work if I want to. Right. Um, but like, I'm not working weekends. Um, you know, I haven't worked weekends in a long time. I do usually work a couple hours on Friday just cause like, I'm technically off. And so I have no call scheduled. Like I never schedule external calls on Fridays ever, 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 ever. Um, like it, nothing can't wait till Monday. So I always have focused time and often Jim, I don't even open up my email. I'll open editor ninja email. Cause it's still so early that I'm still like in the day to day delivery of stuff. But with credo, I mean, honestly, man, you asked like, what, what should people know about running two companies as a solo founder, be the founder. Don't be the one do Don't be the chief everything officer, hire teams hire people to do things for you. Like Credo really took off. I, I got Credo to about 300,000 a year in revenue by myself um, and a couple of contractors. And then I, I brought on a business partner. I brought on my first sales guy, like, you know, brought on an operations person, brought on my finance person. Um, and that's when the business really, really scaled. So basically it took me from 2015 to late 2019 to get it to about 250, 300K a year in revenue. Um, and we've over doubled since then in about the last two years, like just cause I've had a team and it also makes me sane. I can focus on the things that I love to do. 
um, and things I'm good at sales, marketing, honestly, building the business. I love being an entrepreneur. I love building businesses. I've realized I've got, and I've learned how to do it. I, I think I'm okay at it now. Um, but like day in, day out customer support, like that sort of stuff, a, I hate it. B I'm terrible at it. So C I need to hire people. Um, so hire people to do those things that have to be done that you also are, that are basically below your pay grade that you. Yeah, I, I love that phrase of don't try and be the chief everything officer. It's not sustainable and you're not a true business owner, right? You can't be this he-man, right? You're you're your own boss, right? And it's just exhausting. And unfortunately, it took me a while to really understand that. But um, And that's what's cool about you starting a second business. You already have those kind of wounds and like, you know, like, okay, I've got to build this system from the start on this. Cause like, I'm not doing this, you know, that, that doesn't align with what you want to focus on. Yeah. We, we both have young kids. Like I'd be interested, like having a, a three-year-old, how has that impacted your mindset as, as a business owner? Oh man. I love this question. Uh, so my daughter was born in April, 2019. We found out, you know, it was like August, late August, 2018. And I was just like, I was in the struggle as an entrepreneur, man. I was working a ton. I was not super happy. And you've probably been there. Like I, I've been there, you know, I don't really get there now, but in the past, I'd be like, this sucks. I'm shutting down the business. I'm getting a job. Like just those days, you know? And I realized like once, once we knew my wife was pregnant, I was like, man, I don't like my biggest fear is my daughter. One of my big fears I have others, of course, but one of my biggest fears with that being a dad is I don't want my daughter growing up seeing me like not being happy and like being able to choose my like my path and choosing one that doesn't make me happy. Um, and so I was like, I need to change things. I need to figure out how to be happy. Like I was, I enjoyed, you know, the freedom and like my wife and I traveled a ton. We, you know, in the, the first like four year, five years of until the COVID pandemic, basically. So four and a half, five years, I worked from eight different countries in 27 different States. So like traveled a ton, loved it. But, um, but like there were just core things about the business that I wasn't happy doing is because I was trying to do everything and I was doing a lot of things that I wasn't good at. So once I started like working with a developer that was really good, that earned my trust that I still work with, I've worked with them for like four years, four or five years now, brought in my business partner who built out our, uh, who built out our software and, and we still work together. His, his, uh, his involvement is very low at this point, but like basically once I started hiring people, um, that's when my life got better. Cause I was buying back my time. We had the revenue to do it right at that point. It became about happiness and time, not money. So I actually took a pay cut to hire my first person. I don't recommend doing that, but it's what I did. Um, and it, it, it worked out. Okay. We took some bumps and bruises. I eventually had to fire that person, um, for not performing, but, um, you know, it was, it was good lessons, um, as well. So that's, th that's what it was for me. Like, I just, I wanted my daughter to see like me being happy as a, as an entrepreneur. Like I didn't want her to grow up thinking that like entrepreneurs, people that work for themselves are not happy because she saw me not being happy. And hopefully now she sees me like, you know, uh, I have a good time. I like working, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a change, but that was a big like mindset shift that I, something had to give and something had to change. And that's what set me on the path of building a team and building out the business. Dude, that is such a good story. I, I can a thousand percent relate to that. For me, it was more, I probably looked at my phone 500 times a day, right? Because I'm like on email, I'm on Slack. And I was kind of telling my wife and she's like, you're on your phone a lot. She's like, your kids are just going to see you staring at that thing. Is that what you want? And I was like, 
oh my gosh, she's right. You know? And so like you, I, I, we kind of, I kind of share the drop off and from like five thirty to eight, like it's family time and everything else can wait. And I have to like hide my phone from myself. Um, so um, no, man, that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, yeah. that's a really good story. Um, well, one and, other thing, Jim, is that I, um, around that same time, I stopped checking email on weekends. Like I don't look at email from like noon work email from noon on Friday, basically until Monday about nine 30 in the morning. And there have been money. I have an executive assistant now that manages my, uh, manages my inbox actually, and my calendar. Um, and there have been days like a couple Mondays in the last six months where I realized I'm at like noon, 1 PM on Monday. And I haven't checked credo email. So I just ping Sophia and I'm like, Hey, is there anything I need to look at? Like I'm focused. I haven't looked at email yet. And she's like, yeah, there's these two, but you can handle them like by end of the day. I'm like, sweet. So I keep on working. Um, so like there have literally been Mondays. I haven't looked at credo email until like four 30 in the afternoon. Dude. And just I'm, having that separation is huge. The amount of jealousy I have right now is not healthy. That's so amazing. <laughs> two questions. We, we do need to wrap, but before I get to the final question, you said two things that are very interesting. You have an executive coach. I believe you said Chris, who's been very helpful. The second is you've mentioned this yep. executive assistant and yep. you've invested in putting people around you. Can I quickly, can you talk through the impact of your executive coach or strategic coach, mentor, whatever that role is? And then mm -hmm. second, the impact of the executive assistant. Yeah. So the executive coach, and I've also been working, I've also been in Dan Martell's SaaS Academy for a few years. So I've been surrounded by a group of founders. Um, but my executive coach, Chris, uh, Chris Lemma, um, he's actually the reason Credo even survived because I was introduced to him super early on. And I hopped on it by a friend. I hopped on a call with him and I told him what I was doing. He's like, wait, you're doing what? And you're doing it how? No, no, you're doing it all wrong. And he's basically the one that told me to build out the subscription product. And so like eight months later, we had gone for, I rolled it out two months later. And then uh, about eight, six, seven months after that, I scheduled another call with him. He wouldn't even let me pay it, pay him for that second call. We hopped on a, like on, on a clarity call. And he's like, wait, you're, uh, you're uh, Andrew's friend, right? I'm like, yes. Or Austin's friend. I'm like, yes. He's like, cool. Here's my Skype. Cause this is 2016. Call me there. Um, and so I, so I called him there and he was like, all right, you did what? Wow. You're at 18 grand a month. You're at two when we talked like seven months ago. Okay. And so like, we just, you know, we just became friends. I've been to his conference in Cabo four or five times now. Um, and, uh, basically been working with him for about the last three years. And it's been, just been huge just having a person and he's, he's, uh, about 15, 18 years older than me, something like that. I'm 38. And, uh, basically just like having him, we talk, we talk for an hour, him and I one-on-one -on -one every two weeks. Um, and he's just taught me so much about, he just has all these frameworks that he's taught me about pricing and offer ladders and like building a team. He's helped me build out like a, uh, an, an, a, like a business initiative scorecard that I can score everything that we're thinking about doing in, on this rubric across like, is it going to increase MRR? Is it going to decrease churn? Is it going to expand the market? Is it going to eliminate a competitor? Like all of these things, it's all weighted. So I can make bets about what we're going to work on at the company based off of the impact that it's going to have on the business. Just stuff like that has been has been huge for me. Um, he doesn't really hold me accountable. I'm accountable enough to myself. I, I put enough pressure on myself, but he really helps me like think through. I, we hop on a call. I'm just like, Chris, I'm thinking about this thing. And literally within 20 minutes, he's given me a framework and helped me think through it. I know exactly what I need to do next. Um, so that's been, it's been huge for me. I think everyone should invest in a coach.
Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's Chris Lima. I mean, is he taking clients? I want to work with him. That's uh, <laughs> that's should, amazing. You should you should email him. I have your email. I'll connect the two of you. I know he's oh, he's okay, taking I'd clients. Love to. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've referred a few friends to him that are working with him. Probably some people that you know. So um, he's he's yeah. awesome. I mean, dude, I've probably spent over the last four years, I've probably spent north of two hundred thousand dollars on coaching and like yeah. training and that sort of stuff. So I I very much. Uh, uh, I very much uh, value it. Um, and then to the executive assistant, basically that was like, I needed to get out of a lot of the day-to-day stuff. And there was just a lot of operations and that sort of stuff that I was doing. Um, and so basically I worked my way into it by working with a virtual assistant. Um, like I, well, I, I used fancyhands.com, which basically just to like do research and book stuff for me. Hired a, an assistant through them. Hired my first executive assistant part-time. She was like 20 hours a week. Um, and basically like learned how to work with her, built out a list of like, she literally built out what she calls the hitchhiker's guide to John, which is like all of my preferences and, and that sort of stuff. Um, they, she, they, they, she has my credit, my credit card information, all the business credit card information, all that sort of stuff. So like, um, and then, uh, they process my inbox. Um, we use front, uh, frontapp.com. So it's like a shared inbox. So like Sophia has full at my assistant now has full access to my email, uh, my work email, my personal email, my calendars, Um, so she manages my whole calendar. She sends me a recap every day of what I did and what I have coming up the next day and any things like left lingering from the day that she needs my attention on. Um, she handles all of our, like, um, any, anything around like, like payments or like paying contractors or anything like that. She makes sure it gets to our like accounting person. Like I don't have to deal with any of that stuff. I'm only pulled into the really important things where like, so-and-so is disputing this invoice. Okay, cool. Let me step in here. But like, otherwise she just takes care of it. Okay, um, man, I think you've just transformed my business with the executive coach and the executive assistant. That's amazing, um, dude! I Wait, love it. You you run you run three businesses, right? You run Growth Hit, One Day Design, and then you have well, you have the podcast, and then you're getting the direct to consumer company off the ground, right? Yeah, the direct consumer company still not like needing full attention, but yeah, it's kind of Growth okay. Hit, One Day Design. Yeah. 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 So, um, but you yeah, just it's, need it's, someone. Um, you you need an executive assistant. If you don't have one, you I think need it's. One. Um, that's your yeah, next hire. I, I think yeah. It's, um, yeah, I stare at email way too much. Um, so no, man, this is yep. really good. And um, and I'm literally on fancy hands right now, about to give them money. So that's great. Um, what a <laughs> perfect. What, perfect. The, it's a great place the, to start. Price, yeah, no, I love the pricing they have actually. And so, um, talk to yeah. me. The, what I love to close with is, you know, a question I ask everybody: What's the nicest thing anyone's done for you in your professional career? Oh man, nicest thing anyone has ever done for me in my professional career. Um, I think, I think for me it was um, actually I would say one of them is Chris not even letting me pay him for that like second consulting call um, because and he he told me that he uh, well first of all him just hopping on that initial call with me and then the second one me him not letting me pay him um, simply because Chris is like he's I mean a he doesn't need the money but like. He's also, he's, he's a very like giving dude. Um, but he also told me later that he he'll do a call with anyone one time, but, um, he, then he doesn't follow up with them at all. And if they follow up with him, then he knows it and they've gotten things done. Then he knows that they're serious. It's the kind of person he wants to work with. So, um, that was, that was super kind, right? Like he, he transformed my business for free. And then I've gone on to pay him a lot of money over the years <laughs> and it's been heavily worth it. Um, so it's like awesome lead gen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably like the most impactful, like nice thing that someone has done. I mean, people have sent me like, 
you know, people have said, I'm a, I'm a bourbon and, you know, rye guy. So like people have sent me like nice bottles of bourbon and like that sort of thing. And, you know, those are always appreciated and, and all that. But, um, yeah, I think just like the people that have been willing to give me their time. Um, and like early on Rand Fishkin, um, when he was at, still at Moz, he did a, a whiteboard Friday about, um, how to, how to hire an SEO agency. Um, and he mentioned Credo. Um, oh, wow. and that one mention yeah. and two links from that whiteboard Friday. And I've done some whiteboard Fridays myself, hosted them, but like he did that completely out of the goodness of his heart. And because we we're building something of value, that one link has probably made us half a million dollars, something like that. Um, wow. so just like people being generous <laughs> with stuff like that and, and being willing to talk about things. So, and obviously Rand had a huge, has a huge marketing audience. So, um, yeah, I think those are, those are some of like the nicest and most impactful things that people have done for me. Yeah, those, those are really cool stories. Um, well, John, this has been beyond fun, man. I know we've gone over time, but where um, should we send people if they want to learn more about you, about Credo, about Editor Ninja? Where can they go? Yeah, so uh, best place to connect with me online is on uh, either Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Doherty, J-F, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y-J-F um, on both of those. Um, and then my two uh, my two companies are getcredo.com and editorninja.com. No, and he's he's a great follow on Twitter. I hi, highly recommend. Um, but I, dude, again, John, thank you so much, man. This was packed with some good stuff. But excited to connect more. Yeah, thanks, Jim. This is. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.